everyone. We're really happy you could join us again at the Dr. Christian Heim podcast, where we're living for mental health, love, and compassion. My name is Caroline Heim, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Christian Heim. Hello. So if you've been traveling with us lately, you'll know that this is part three of a three-part series on self-harm. In today's episode, we're going to be giving you five steps to help you get out of self-harm. I actually think it's pretty self-explanatory, so let's get into the content. Okay, right here and now, I want to give you five ordered steps out of self-harm. Now, you deserve wellness and you deserve to be treated well, even by yourself. Now, I want you to be a bit hopeful about this because if you're here, then you're at least contemplating getting out of self-harm. And who knows, you may be even ready to give up self-harm and are looking for this to be able to help you. That's good. That's already a very, very good start. Now, as a background, I have to let you know that the last post, which was called Preparing to Get Out of Self-Harm, Know Your Emotions, is required listening or required reading because you will need to be emotionally aware to be able to get out of self-harm. Know it or not, self-harm is about emotions. And in that post, I talked about noticing your emotions, labeling your emotions, and safely expressing your emotions using words. That, making you emotionally aware, is going to be the background that you need for these five steps out of self-harm. And I'm hoping that you do want to get out of self-harm. So let's get into it. Five steps, five ordered steps. Step number one, pretty basic, but extremely important to get out of self-harm. Step number one is, have a plan. Now, these five steps will help you if you actually have a plan that you put together. To achieve anything in our life, we need to have a plan. I want you to imagine that a group of people decide they're going to build a bridge. One of the first things they're going to ask is, what's the plan? Let's see the plans. Let's look at the written plans and let's go over them. Uh, it's really rare that a whole lot of people uh, arrive at a river and say, uh, let's build a bridge here. Uh, let's kind of see how it goes. If they're going to build a major bridge, just seeing how it goes is not going to be good enough. You're going to have a plan and you're going to need to stick to the plan to get that bridge to come together. Same if you're at college or university and your plan is to pass that year your plan is going to have to be do the assignments and do the exams and study. Same with winning a tennis match. Your plan will need to be practicing, getting a coach, making sure you know your weaknesses and getting out there and doing something about it. So a plan is very important. So let's look at your plan to get out of self-harm. Do you need to find a therapist or do you feel that you can handle this by yourself? Are these five steps actually going to help you or is there other information that you need? What resources that do you need? What can you read about this? What support do you need? Are there people that you're going to tell about your plan? How long do you want to take to get out of self-harm? Do you have the time to devote some daily activity to getting out of self-harm? 
Have you got yourself a workbook so that you can write things down that are insightful to help you get out of self-harm? These are all part of putting together a plan. Now, you may already have a plan with your therapist, or your plan may include finding a therapist. If you have a therapist, talk about these five steps and see if they are helpful to your plan. A plan means you're ready to progress. Don't coast, don't hope, don't have a let's wait and see what happens because that's when things go in the wrong direction. Number one, have a plan. All right, step number two to get out of self-harm. Know your triggers. Now, a trigger is anything that makes it more likely that you are going to self-harm. Here is a list of common triggers. Having an argument, failing an exam, being slighted by somebody, particularly friends, drinking alcohol, having reminders of trauma coming up, whatever, things like that can get you in a situation that it'll be more likely for you to self-harm. So you need to know your triggers so that you can prepare yourself for when the triggers come up. So to help you know your triggers, here are a few questions. First question, what started me self-harming in the first place? If you know the answer to that, then you know already where a bunch of your triggers lie. Second question, how do I feel just before I self-harm? If you know the answer to that question, then you know what area of emotions are triggers for you. And the last question, what emotions are risky for me? Again, it will help you know what your triggers are. What you will need to do is write out your triggers and know them. Now, once you know your triggers, you can take steps to avoid them. Often you won't be able to avoid any triggers, but you will know that when a trigger comes up that you will need to be careful. And just like being emotionally aware, where you notice the emotion, label the emotion, and safely express the emotion with words, you do the same with your triggers. You notice that you have been triggered. Oh, I've just had an argument with my mother. This puts me in a situation where I'm at increased risk to self-harm. You label the trigger. That's the argument trigger. I feel bad when I have been in an argument. Safely express the trigger and the triggering emotions with words. I now feel angry. I have just had an argument. Careful, careful what you do. See what my plan says about what I should do in this trigger. Now, when you write out your triggers, not only do you look for them, try to avoid them, be careful when you're in them, but it would be helpful if you put together a plan as to what to do when you have been triggered. So step number two is know your triggers. Now we're gonna get into the real meat of getting out of self-harm. And this is step three, find alternatives. As you know, self-harm is a way of coping with distress, but you are going to have to find better alternatives, find safer alternatives, safer ways to get some of what self-harm does for you.
Now, the very first alternative that I want you to give yourself when you feel that you have to self-harm is buy time. Maybe you can avoid self-harming altogether if you can just get through the next 15 minutes of your life. And quite seriously, when I work with people, I have some people who sometimes need to take life one minute at a time. So I've got four suggestions to help you buy time, to help you take life one minute at a time. First one is count backwards from a thousand. A thousand is such a big number. Yes, it is, because I want you to be committed to this project, all right? I don't want you just to count back from 10 because you can do that really quickly. Even counting back from 100 may not be enough to stave off the feelings of self-harm. But when you count back from a thousand, you get into a different mindset. You go, oh my gosh, this is gonna take some time. Let me sit in a chair. Let me get somewhere where I can be comfortable and start. 1,999, 998, 997, 996. This is boring. That's right. But boring is much better than self-harming. Number two, go out and count the stars or watch cloud formations. This is actually a lot longer than counting backwards from a thousand because there are a lot more stars up there or there could be more clouds up there, but something else happens. Your imagination opens up when you start counting stars or you start looking at cloud formations. You get out of that feeling world that wants you to self-harm and into a world of wonder, awe and beauty where you can get lost in clouds or stars. That can buy you time. And the third thing that I want you to try to buy time is to take 50 deep breaths. Now again, taking three deep breaths doesn't take too much time. It may not be enough to get you out of the emotion. Taking 10 deep breaths may, but taking 50 deep breaths will. So again, when you commit yourself to taking 50 deep breaths, you're taking a good 10 to 12 minutes out of your life to get away from that feeling of self-harm. That's commitment. That's good. That's buying you time. Because if you get over the urge, you could be okay for self-harm that particular day. And if all else fails in trying to buy time, just find your favorite chair, sit in it, and don't move until the urge leaves, even if it's ours. And I have people sitting in a chair for hours. Seriously, that's what I want you to do. When I say that to people, they laugh at me. But when people say, you know, that idea of sitting in a chair for hours, when they actually do it, they come back to me and say, it works. I don't have to self-harm if I sit in a chair for hours and wait for the urge to come away. Because like a giant wave, like any emotion that moves out of you, the self-harm urge will eventually die down. You just got to get through until it does. All right, we're still in step number three. And sometimes you need to self-harm. Here are the actual alternatives. When you need to self-harm, I need you to think why do I need to self-harm? 
What do I need to feel? The usual things that people tell me that they need to feel are these. I need to feel pain. I need to feel alive. I need to punish myself. I need to express anger. Or I just need a release. All right, so we're going to go through each of those and look at the alternatives there are to self-harming. So let's start off with, I need to feel pain. Now, when you need to feel pain, instead of self-harming, I want you to find a bucket, fill it up with ice, and you put your hands in there and you hold ice until it hurts. Feel that pain. The alternative is to get an elastic band, put it around your wrist, and flick it so that you hurt your wrist through it, okay? Or you can take your thumbnail and drive it into the fingernail of your pinky because there is a nerve under there and you can give yourself quite a lot of pain that way. All right, pause for a sec. When I give people alternatives to feeling pain, they go, nah, I've tried all of that. It doesn't help. Here's how I want you to think about it. I want you to think it doesn't help enough because they all do create pain safely. They all do express your emotions more safely than self-harm, but they do not work enough. They do not give you all that self-harm gives you. But that's okay, because if you get 60 or 70% of what self-harm does for you, you've had some of that feeling, you've had some pain, and I will want you to absorb the rest. That's the little bit of suffering that you will need to do to get to a stage where you need a little bit less pain. And then you're starting to move in the right direction. So before you blow off these techniques as not working, just think of what they are actually doing for you and persist. All right, so that was feeling pain. Other people tell me they self-harm because they need to feel alive. If you need to feel alive, here are your alternatives. Take a freezing cold shower. That will make you feel alive. Or eat a lemon or a chili. Or smell ammonia. It has a very strong pungent smell and it's in a lot of cleaning detergents. Or go out and smell what it smells like after rain. That makes you feel alive. Or stand in a strong wind or a thunderstorm. That will make you feel alive. Now, the disadvantage of the last two is you can't control the timing of that, right? But if you are somebody who wants to get out of self-harm and you have a thunderstorm or a bit of a windstorm coming your way and you have the opportunity to feel alive in that, Getting out there can actually prevent you from self-harming for a good period of time because you need that feeling to be alive. Nothing wrong with wanting you to feel alive. We want that for you too. All right, let's say, no, the reason that I want to self-harm today is to punish myself. All right, here are your alternatives. Stand in a corner for 30 minutes. Now, I know that sounds like an old-fashioned thing that they used to do in school, but it's actually useful because you will feel a bit silly. 
And that's good because while you feel silly, you can stand in that corner and think about what you're doing there. You will think about how you're trying to avoid self-harming. You'll also think about the emotions that you're going through. You may even feel a little bit shameful, which is not a bad thing because you can use that as leverage to help you stop self-harming because ultimately that's what you want to do. Here's another alternative. Write out 300 times, I am learning to cope better. Now, again, this buys you time. It's boring. But here's the interesting thing. While you write out something like, I am learning to cope better, your brain looks at words like learning, better, cope, I am. And when it sees those sort of words, those words will get into your brain And your brain will start thinking about what could possibly be better coping mechanisms. And it will start finding some for you. So writing things out 300 times have a lot more rationale behind them than you may think. It's punishing, but it's also useful. Here's another alternative. Clean your house thoroughly. It's work, but it's useful work. You feel like you're punishing yourself, but you're getting something useful done. Now, you've just got to look at that and compare it to self-harm. In self-harm, you can feel that you're punishing yourself, but you're actually creating work for somebody else, or you're creating a scar that needs to heal. Whereas if you clean your house, you've actually alleviated yourself or other people of work, and you've done some good. And eventually, I want you to feel good about that. At first, you may not. Now, here's the ultimate alternative to self-harm when you feel like punishing yourself. Don't self-harm. Because if self-harm is what you want, then you will punish yourself by not doing it. Now, that really hurts. Now, I know that that's emotional self-harm rather than physical self-harm, but it is really punishing because you are withholding from yourself something that you want. And strangely enough, it can work. But let's say you're the sort of person that says, no, at the moment, I want to self-harm to express anger. Here are some alternatives. Number one, pound a mattress. Really lay into it. Get into it. Rip up a book. Rip up five books if you have to. Get into ripping up. Pump iron. Go to the gym. Go for a jog. Make it a punishing jog. Really exhaust yourself. Get that anger into exercise. Or you can get your pillows and scream into them. Really scream, scream, scream into those pillows. Get that anger out. Or if you like, you can get on the floor. You can start kicking your legs, thrashing your arms, and have a full-on tantrum until you are exhausted. If you're not going to disturb any neighbors or anybody else in the house, You can scream as well. That will be expressing anger and get yourself exhausted. Get it out. These are all good alternatives to self-harm. But let's say you say, okay, I need to self-harm because there's just a buildup of tension and I need a release. Now, a release is called catharsis. Uh, every movie that you go to see has the buildup of tension and then somehow there's a big climax and everything gets sorted out in the end. 
That's called catharsis. It gives you a release. And I got to tell you, sometimes watching a movie is a really good way of getting that cathartic release. There are other ways, though. You can cry. But really, how? Really get those emotions out through your tears and cry. Really cry a lot until you are exhausted. Some people go to sleep after they've had that sort of a cathartic release. Or you can watch some comedy. Anytime you laugh by yourself or with people, you are having a cathartic release. Laughter does so much in our society to release tension. You can use it to release the tension of self-harm. Another thing you can do is masturbate because it will give you release. But be gentle with yourself, be loving to get that release. And again, you will find that a lot of tension can go. Another thing that can give you a cathartic release is trash your room. Really make a mess. Get all the books down, get your sheets all over the place, trash your room. And then you clean it meticulously. The trashing is a catharsis because you will see a whole lot of anger, a lot of tension all over the room. But then the cleaning up is cathartic as well because you get to order everything the way that you want it again and it'll make you feel in control. And then the last alternative that I have when you need a release is to dance to loud music. Get the music loud, put it through headphones if you need to, and really dance, let yourself go, get into the beat, get into the rhythm, and let all the tension go. Now, that was a long list of alternatives, and that was step number three out of self-harm, find alternatives. Step number four, however, turns a corner. Step number four is this, be gentle with yourself. What self-harm does is punish yourself, cause pain, rip into yourself. When you're ready for step four, you will be gentle with yourself. This is where the gold is. You will be doing the opposite of what self-harm wants you to do. So treat yourself well, be gentle with yourself. How do you treat yourself well? Okay, so for some people, they go for joy. Some people use people power, spend time with other people, or it's soothing yourself, or you can reinforce the good about you, or you can distract yourself usefully. And last one is you can focus quietly, and we'll go through each of those. So this is how you treat yourself. Firstly, joy. Go for joy. Dance. Enjoy yourself. Sing. Find a drum and drum away. Get out there and commune with nature. Climb a tree. Pat a dog. Stroke a cat. Walk, dance or sing in the rain. Whatever brings that feeling of joy for you, do that. It's a treat and it can take you out of any state of self-harm and it can be a release for you by treating yourself well. Secondly, people power. Talk to family. Listen to a friend. Help an elderly person. Ring your grandparent. When you're with somebody else, 
who you care for and cares for you, you won't feel alone. You will get warm feelings and you'll be treating yourself to something that is good for you. Number three is to soothe yourself. And here I mean a bit of indulgence. Take a bubble bath, a hot bubble bath, aromatherapy, some quiet music, some candles. It's also very soothing. Or you can snuggle up in front of the fire with some hot chocolate and your favorite book and just soothe yourself and enjoy yourself. And the third suggestion that I have here is to go out to the shops and buy yourself a small treat so that you can say thank you to yourself for being gentle with yourself. Next is to reinforce the good about yourself. Sit down in front of a computer file or with a book and write out all the good things that you can think about yourself. At first you might go, oh, I can't think of something. But when you go back into your life, you will start to think about some of the good things that you did for other people, some of the good times that you had, some of the good things about your nature that other people let you know. Write them all out. Write out all your good points. And the second suggestion is to start a gratitude journal. What can you be grateful for in life? Be grateful that you live in a free country. Be grateful that there is enough food to eat. Be grateful for the sunshine. Be grateful for life opportunities. Be grateful for your parents. Whatever it is that you have to be grateful for, be grateful for birds or your favorite dog. Start the gratitude journal, write in it and read it often. Next way to be gentle with yourself is to distract yourself usefully. So make a playlist of your 10 favorite songs and listen to them. It's amazing how good your favorite songs can make you feel. Again, you want enough to get into that feeling so that you feel good about life. But here are some other things. Gardening, cooking, baking, learning something new like juggling or playing a musical instrument or writing out your lifetime goals and making sure that the plan for each of them is in place. These things can make you feel hopeful and you can't be doing these things and self-harm at the same time, okay? Uh, th this is why I'm particularly fond of juggling. Uh, juggling is a skill that you can acquire within a week and a half, all right? Uh, you just Google how to juggle and there are plenty of people teaching you how to juggle. And they're very good and it feels good. It feels great to be able to juggle. And the thing is that you can't juggle and self-harm at the same time. All right, so they're distractions. And the last way to treat yourself is to focus quietly. And these are meditative techniques. You breathe deeply. You find a quiet spot, just sit and breathe deeply. Or you reflect on some of the good things that go through your mind as though you're looking into a rock pool. Now, when you look into a rock pool, you can see the surface and the surface is like the present. If it's windy and it's all choppy, then you don't see too much. But if it's calm and still, then you can see right down to the bottom of a rock pool. And that's like looking at your past. And there are some fascinating things there.
But the other thing about a rock pool is in the surface, you can see a reflection of the sky or some trees or some clouds. And that's like looking into the future. It's just a reflection, so it's not quite there yet. And it manifests in the present, but it's somewhere that you can aim for. Or you can formally meditate. And there are many different types of meditation. I recommend mindfulness meditation, which is using your senses to see what you can see, hear, taste, smell, and feel on the outside of your body rather than inside your head. So the nice thing about mindfulness meditation is it keeps you on the surface of your body and it keeps you connected to your environment. Or you can do some stretches. And stretches are good for feeling focused and quiet. Now, all those things, joy, people, soothing yourself, reinforcing your good, distracting or being focused, are ways to treat yourself, to be gentle with yourself. And that was step four. Step five is deal directly with self-harm urges and emotions. This is the last technique which will make you ace the whole issue of self-harm. If you can do this, then you can handle emotions and you can handle self-harm urges. Now, it's not easy, and I'm going to have to remind you to go back to the last post that talked about noticing your emotions, labeling your emotions, and safely expressing your emotions, because that's required knowledge for this. This will take practice, courage, and commitment. And I only want you to do this when you're ready and you know you'll be safe. A lot of you may need to do this under the supervision of a therapist. Okay, here we go. You sit in a chair and you choose a triggering emotion. We'll take anger. And you imagine that anger is coming at you like a wave at the beach. You are sitting on a chair at the beach. And first, a small wave of anger comes up to your ankles. Then anger gets up to your knees and then a wave of anger comes up to your waist. You get to control the strength of the emotion with your thoughts. Do not expose yourself to more thoughts than you can handle at any stage. And what you will notice is you can start to control your responses and your emotions by how strongly you think about anger. That's what we're doing in this technique. Okay, let's say you can let your anger waves get stronger. But each time, like any other wave, they move past you. Now you're standing up. The anger wave comes up to your chest. The anger wave comes up to your neck. Sometimes you might get bowled over by too much anger in which case you go back and you choose a smaller anger wave. And then you keep practicing with larger anger waves until the waves are over your head. And when that waves are over your head, you'll find that you'll just be able to float up, still get air at the top of that wave, and then come back down as the wave passes you by. When you are able to do that, you have handled the wave of anger. This 
gives you the ultimate control over the strength of your emotions and how you react to them. It is difficult to do. It takes months of practice and you will need to practice a little bit every day. People have told me this is the hardest thing that they have to do for some of the work that I give them. It works because you mix thoughts and emotions and you get to keep control. Always make sure that you are safe. Use this with a therapist if you have one. And sometimes you cannot do this unless you have therapy supervision, okay? But when you can do something like sitting in a chair and controlling the waves of anger like waves at a beach, you face your worst and then you can move past self-harm. Okay, so the five steps. Number one, have a plan. Number two, know your triggers. Number three, find alternatives. Number four, be gentle with yourself. And number five, deal directly with self-harm urges and emotions, and you will become an expert in handling your own emotions. This has been Christian Heim, and I'll talk to you another time. All the best with getting out of self-harm. Really hoping that this will be useful to you. Join us again for the Dr. Christian Heim podcast.